Thank you, choir, orchestra, college band. You have all blessed me today, and I thank you for doing that. We continue today with our focus on family matters. We are looking at different aspects of the family. Last week, we began by looking at those who are married, and today we look at those who are not married. I said last week that marriage is declining in the United States. The U.S. Census Bureau shows that married couple households have gone from around 80% in 1950 to 50% today. The Wall Street Journal said that the largest segment of our population is no longer the nuclear family, but it is the single adult household. We need to consider that. The largest part of our society today is the single adult household. Now people are singles for different reasons. They do not marry for different reasons. There are some who do not marry out of choice. They choose not to marry. There was one lady who said, of course, I like having a man around the house, just not my house. There are many who seem to feel that way. Harriet Hartburn died at the age of 87. And in her will, she instructed, I don't want anyone to put miss on my tombstone. I haven't missed as much as some people think. So there are those who are single by choice. They simply do not want to get married. There are those who are single as the result of circumstance. Maybe there's been a divorce or there has been a death and that has left them single. And there are those who see being single as a call from God. That God has called me to live my life as a single person. There are several myths that we probably need to at least mention. The first is that Marriage is ordained by God and everyone is supposed to be married. There are many people who believe that every person is supposed to be married, that there is your soulmate out there somewhere. You just have to keep looking because everyone has a soulmate. Well, I don't know what you do with Jesus because he was never married and he was the son of God. So I don't think that that is exactly right. There are those who believe that the grass is greener. If a person is married, then their life is going to be better. There are some who think that marriage equals happiness, that if a person wants to be happy, then that person has to be married. One lady said, I never knew what happiness was until I was married, and then it was too late. There is the myth that being single produces loneliness, and yet the truth is there are many single people or unmarried people who are not lonely, and there are many who are married who are lonely. So let's look at it today. Let's see what the Word of God says. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll begin in verse number 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, It is good for man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. 
And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourself to prayer and come together again lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. All right, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture and the related verses here. We begin with the gift of being single because, you see, being single or not being married is not automatically a bad thing. Frank was 78 years old. He had been a bachelor all his life, had done well in life. He was healthy. He had a certain amount of money and so forth, but he never married. He said, I never boiled over, I just simmered a little. And so he never got married. Well, at 78 years old, he decided to go back and see some of the women he had dated through the years. And he went back and then he came and his friend asked him, he said, well, Frank, what did you learn? He said, I am so glad I didn't marry those women. And he said, why is that? He said, well, because they're all widows now. Being unmarried is not necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, Paul say, sees it as being good. In verse number 8, I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. The word good that he uses there means acceptable, beautiful, honorable. Now, the truth is there are many who do not see being unmarried exactly that way. And in Paul's time, that was true. In the Jewish tradition, they did not see being unmarried as a good thing. In fact, a man who reached the age of 20 and was not married was considered to be sinful. In that tradition, they said if a man did not marry and have children, he was said to have, quote, slain his posterity and to have lessened the image of God in the world. Now, that was the way that they saw it. Someone who was not married had slain their posterity and lessened the image of God in the world. And yet here's Paul referring to it as good. So we understand the tradition. They did not see the unmarried state as good, but that is exactly what Paul said. He saw it as being good. He saw it as being a gift in verse number 7. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So as he is speaking about this, he refers to it as being a gift. The word gift that is used there is the same word that is used in reference to spiritual gifts in chapters 12 through 14. So he says that in their condition, he saw it as being a gift from God. You ever think of it that way? That being unmarried can be a gift from God. Nancy DeMoss wrote, I am not single by accident. I am not single because I have made up my mind not to marry. Rather, I am single because God has chosen for me the gift of singleness. 
Paul is saying as he addresses the issue which the Corinthians brought to him that being unmarried can be good and a gift from God. Now, if it is a gift from God, then Paul says you are to live a controlled life. Verse number 8, I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I, but if they do not have self-control, let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn. In other words, he is saying that if one is single, unmarried, that they are to live a controlled life, that that is not a license to promiscuity. It is to be a controlled life. It is to be a contented life. Verse 7, I wish that all men were even as I myself. Now, Paul is not suggesting that everyone should be married nor is he suggesting that everyone should be unmarried. He is saying that in either state, his desire is that you be content. That's what he's talking about, that you be content. Ladies and gentlemen, the fact is there is great discontent in many marriage relationships. In fact, in Proverbs 21, 19, it is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. Many of you men have that underlined in your Bibles because I saw you smiling. Proverbs 27, 15, a constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. Now, you understand that Solomon is the author of Proverbs. He had 700 wives and concubines, which causes me to wonder about him being referred to as the wisest man who ever lived. <laughs> but I do assume that he knew what he was talking about. So he was the one who wrote this. Paul, I think, is saying that he wants us to be content if we are married or unmarried. If you do not see singleness as God's gift for you, then I think he would say that you would then be discontent. So we begin with the gift of singleness. Now there are some advantages to being unmarried. Verse number 29, but this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. The advantage, Paul is saying, now I want you to understand the context here. The advantage is because the time is short and our lives are to count for God. That's what he's saying here. There is the advantage because the time is short and our lives are to count for God. Now he mentions a present distress in verse 26. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. In other words, Paul realized the threat that was levied against the church, the people of God. What he is saying is this, there is a present distress. 
there is a threat against the people of God. He said it is going to be easier for you to endure as a single person than as a married person. Adoniram Judson wrote, a man who is a hero by himself becomes a coward when he thinks of his widowed wife and orphaned children. When there is a threat to our family, it puts us under enormous stress. That's what Paul is saying. The time is short. Our lives are to count for God. There is a present distress that we face. And as a married person, it puts you under more stress because you're concerned about your family. The fact is, there are a number of pressures that come with being married. One of them is financial. I remember when Eric was a boy, my son, he wanted something and my reply was, what do you think I am? And he said, you're my money man. <laughs> well, that is the way oftentimes it is seen whenever you have children. There is the pressure to please one's mate in verse number 33. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. A husband is under a lot of pressure to please his wife. I know that I am. In our home, Linda controls the TV remote because I'm trying to please her. That means that we get to watch the real housewives of Orange County. I'm actually teasing about that. I would not watch that because I'm just not that interested in the real housewives of Orange County or wherever they're from. There's a pressure of children. When you have children, they, they begin dating and you're worried about the person they're dating. They begin driving. You do not sleep until they get home. There are the financial issues that go along, the educational issues and so forth. And that's the point that Paul is actually making. Very practical. He is dealing with the practicality. He says that if someone is married and they have a family, then that puts them under a stress. And God is looking for undistracted devotion. Now look at verse 35. And this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Now, Paul was saying what we need to understand is that God seeks from us undistracted devotion. This is the same word that was used to refer to Martha. And you remember the story about Mary and Martha. And Luke 10, 40 says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. God wants our undistracted devotion. Now you'll notice in verse number 35, he says, and this I say, for your own benefit. Paul says that being single is for your own benefit because I am freer to respond to God. That's the point that he is making. That is the practical application that he is making. As someone who is not married, I am freer to respond to God for your own benefit. He goes on in verse number 35, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. He is saying, as an unmarried person, I am better able to respond to the Lord in undistracted devotion. 
Lynette James was here recently. Lynette was on our staff some years ago in the children's ministry. She left here and went to the Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. She left there and went to Prestonwood in uh, Dallas. And then she left there and went to a much smaller church in Oregon. And I talked with her when she was here. How'd you do that? You go from Prestonwood to this church in Oregon. She said, I, I believe that's what God was calling me to do. And I was able to respond to it because I didn't have anyone else. It was easier for me to respond to God's call because it did not affect a husband. There are some advantages of being singles, and that's what Paul is saying from a practical standpoint. Now, there are also responsibilities. It's not a decision that is to be taken lightly, but with the direction of God. So he gives a word to parents here in verse number 36. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she should be a full age, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, and has decided that in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. Parents have a part, they have a responsibility in this decision or these decisions. In Paul's day and to the people he was immediately addressing, it was an arranged marriage. And so Paul is speaking about a father arranging his daughter's marriage. And he is saying that if that is not God's will for her life, then you should not pressure her to marry. I think that is a good word for the modern parent because we oftentimes pressure our children about marriage when we are constantly saying to them, when are you going to get married? Actually, what we're saying is, when are you going to get off the payroll? But we say, when are you going to get married? George Washington Carver, in his biography, struggled with the idea of marriage. He, there was a girl that he was in love with and she was in love with him. And then he made the decision, the conscious decision, that he would not marry because he thought that he would be better able to do God's work from an unmarried position than from a married position. So there is a word to the parents, and then there's a word to the unmarried. You also have a part. Now look at verse number 36. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she should be of full age. The word full age there means overripe. It means rottenness. Overripe or rottenness. Now, there are some of you who probably think, man, I'm overripe. If I stay on the vine much longer, I'm going to be rotten. Here's the danger of that. When you come to the place to think, I, I should already be married somebody's going to come along and they're willing to get married and you're going to marry someone that you wish you had not married later on. Cliff Smith used to be on our staff here. He didn't get married until later in life. I asked him once, I said, Cliff, why have you never gotten married? He said, I would rather not have what I wanted than to have what I didn't want. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. So he is saying then to those who are unmarried, wait on the Lord. That's important. Wait on the Lord. You may think that you are 
overripe, and that makes you vulnerable. So Paul is saying, wait on the Lord and accept God's gift for you, whether it is to marry or not to marry. If it is God's plan for your life, then accept that as a gift. Now then, in this passage of Scripture, Paul shares the richness of the family. And, uh, you know, the family has always been an evolution. It, it has changed a lot through the years. I'm, I'm sort of fascinated with the way the family has changed through the years. During Old Testament times, the family was the husband, his wives, concubines, all of their children, etc. In other words, it was a clan. That was the family. That was the understanding in the Old Testament of the family. It was a clan. When I was growing up, the family was basically understood as a husband, wife, mother, and father, and their children. That was the nuclear family, and that was the way that we understood family. Paul lists here a variety of relationships that comprise family or that he refers to as family. First of all, there is the single in chapter 7, verse number 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, Paul was going against the tradition of his day in what he was saying, but what he was saying is if a person is unmarried, that's still a family. If a person is not married, that is still a family, qualifies as a family. Then he talks about the married in verse number 2. But because of immoralities, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Now he goes on in here, and I think this is important, to address the marriage relationship. And he is saying that if you do marry, then there is to be harmony, harmony in the relationship. First of all, there is to be physical harmony. And Paul addresses the sexual issue within the marriage. We don't do that a lot in the church. We should. That's the reason that there is so much misunderstanding because we don't deal with this, but Paul does. He addresses the sexual issue within the marriage relationship. Martin Luther said, no man is so virtuous as to marry a wife only to have children. So Paul now is addressing the physical relationship and the harmony that needs to be there. And he says there is a sexual debt in verse number 3. Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The word fulfill literally means to pay. In other words, whenever you get married, he says, now you've contracted a debt. You have a payment that you are to honor. So to ignore then one's spouse's sexual needs is not being spiritual, it is being disobedient. According to what Paul is saying. Y'all are getting real quiet now, aren't you? This is sort of interesting for me. Because he says that we have a sexual debt to each other as husband and wife. He mentions sexual submission in verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now, interestingly, there are those who have abused that wife to abuse their spouse. That is absolutely contrary to what Paul is saying. He is saying that there is to be equal submission. The wife submits to the husband. The husband submits to the wife. There is equal submission in the relationship. He does go on and address sexual abstinence in verse number 5. Uh, 
Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again lest Satan tempt you. So he sets the parameters for the withholding of sex within the marriage relationship. Did you notice that verse? Both are to consent. It is not unilateral. Both the husband and the wife are to consent when there is abstinence within the sexual relationship. They both consent. It is for a designated time. Not until he buys you that ring. There is a designated time. You both consent for a designated time. The purpose is for prayer. And then you come together again. So, Paul is speaking here about the marriage relationship and he says that there is to be harmony, there is to be physical harmony, there is to be spiritual harmony. That's the reason he wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. So his interest is that there is harmony. If you're married, there should be harmony. I pick on my wife a lot, and some of you make comments to me occasionally about me being in trouble. Fact is, there's harmony in our relationship. Linda and I love and respect each other. And whenever you do, you can pick on each other. That's what Paul is speaking about. He is speaking about within the marriage, if you are married, there needs to be harmony. Physical harmony and spiritual harmony. Then he mentions the widow and the widower in verse number 8. I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. So if someone is a widow or a widower, that's still a family. Separated, verse 11, but if she does leave, let her remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not send her away. So there are some who are separated. That is a family. There are some who are remarried, verse number 15. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. That also is a family. So what I want you to see here is the richness of the family. He talks about singles being family, those who are married being family, widows and widowers being family, the separated being family, those who are remarried being family. Well, let me conclude because I am out of time. As I look at what Paul is saying and teaching us on this, marriage is a gift from God. So if you marry, marry for life and marry in the Lord. That's to boil it down to what it says. If you marry, marry for life, marry in the Lord. Two, singleness is honored. If you look at verse number 40, but in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God. If you have been given the gift of singleness, understand that that is honored by God as well. D.L. Moody told about a Christian woman who belonged to the church. She was always cheerful, but she was homebound. So there were a couple of the ladies in the church decided they were going to go see her. They went to the apartment where she lived. It was dilapidated somewhat and run down and neglected. And one of the ladies said to the other, said, Doug, oh, this is a terrible place. And she said, well, it's better higher up. So when they went in, they had to climb the stairs because there was no elevator. And she said, this place is filthy. And the other lady said, but it's better higher up. They got up to the fifth floor where the lady lived. They went into a room. It was neat and clean and 
she had a big smile on her face and the lady said to her, said, it must be terrible the way that you have to live. And she smiled and said, oh, but it's better higher up. This is my point. Whether you are married or you are unmarried, live your life to glorify the Lord Jesus because it's better higher up. You and I are going to stand before him one day. And whether we are married or unmarried, glorify him. It's better higher up. Our Father and God, we come to you and ask that you bless the time that we spend together. Take your word, apply it to our hearts. Be with those who should make commitments today that they would do so. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If you have never trusted Christ, the invitation is to do so. There'll be staff members here to pray with you and talk with you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors open. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. Stand with me, please. As we stand together, they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do. Come,